0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen.
1: Over the last three weeks, uh, Pastors Brian and Jared uh, have walked us through this series called Truth. Who's enjoyed the series? I've enjoyed the series. It's been convicting, it's opened our eyes more and more just to who God is. And I get the opportunity today to talk about how God has merged truth with love. We've been told though over the last three weeks, these, these three things, that God's word is alive and in its entirety, it is full of truth. We've defined what truth is and we've examined the attack on truth. Pastor Brian shared last week that the attack on truth has not changed since the beginning. In the beginning, God created. He made man and woman, and everything was perfect. And Satan got them to question what they knew to be true. And that's still what's happening today. But today, my prayer is to make it clear that God has established truth and love together. Truth and love together. They don't exist apart from one another. So, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to start flipping to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter four. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. If you need a Bible, I'd love to give you a Bible. Um, I'm reading in the ESV, so if you have a different translation, it may be easier for you to follow along on the screen. I'm gonna let the, the pages keep flipping. That's music to my ears. Something about having a physical copy of God's word. Ephesians chapter four, Paul writes, starting in verse one, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, sermon in and of itself, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Skip down to verse 25, Paul goes on to say, he says, therefore, therefore, I wanna walk us through a little scenario here. Who's ever played paper football? Raise your hand. Some of y'all's hands ain't up. You're missing out. It's fun. It's a great game. So the way we play paper football is someone makes the little paper football. I'm not very good at that, so I always let my friend do that in middle school. And yes, we got in trouble. You teachers in the room, I know that drives you insane, but it's fun. It's part of growing up. Susan's laughing. She's a middle school teacher. Let us play paper football, please. Um, <laughs> and so someone makes the paper football and then, and then a friend will hold it up like this, right? The goal, the goal's here or there, or if they really want them to make it, they put their hands in the, in the air like this. And we always... And if you say you don't, you're lying and I love you and that's okay. We always shift a little to the left or to the right because we really want our friend to make it, right? We really, really want our friend to make it because when they make it, we both win, right? Because we're in this game together. Always the person holding it shifts just a little bit. Sometimes make exceptions, we wanna cheat a little bit. We do that because that's in our fallen nature. That's a different, we'll get there, Um, but, If you've ever played real football, you know that a goal post that a kicker kicks through is stationary. It does not move. It cannot move unless there's like a hurricane or something. It will not move. The wind's not gonna blow hard enough to move it. It's not gonna shift to the left or to the right. That's not going to happen. And the person kicking the ball has to adjust the way that they kick in order to make it in between the uprights. This is not in my notes, um, but James showed me a little video earlier, one of my friends uh, facing the Giants when the kicker's kicking. He's like, you got to change the way you approach kicking. You got to be able to kick it down the middle. We too, as Christians, we have to change sometimes the way that we live our lives. What I want you to know today is that God has established a standard, and he does not shift and he does not move. He does not move based on us. We are called to align with him. And this standard is established and rooted in truth and love. So imagine if a field goal post was only, only had one side. There was no other side. It would be useless, right? It would be. It'd be really easy to make it. As long as you don't go that way, you can kick any way you want this way. God has established truth and love as his standard and they exist in perfect harmony together. There's not one without the other or one more so than the other or this one's less during this situation or this one's more during this situation. No, they exist together in perfect harmony. So picture, if you will, that one truth is, or one post is truth and the other is love. If you're taking notes, I would write this down. Truth Truth will not be effective if it is not delivered in love. And love is not real Christ-like love if it does not contain truth. And the church, the Big sea Church, mainly in America especially, has become so consumed with making friends and making people like us that we're flaky on the truth and we call that love, but that is not love, that is Compromise. See, the reality is this, is that Christ Jesus is preeminent. He is first. He is first. He is chief. He is preeminent. He does not need us to make him prominent, famous, but he allows us to take part in that. We do not need to change the truth of who he is in order for him to be more known. And likewise, we overcorrect And we shove truth down people's throats with hatred and high expectations and no love at all. And we wonder why them people won't turn to Jesus. This breaks my heart. This breaks my heart when I choose to act this way. It breaks my heart when I see church members choose to act this way. Either way, too much love, too much truth, whatever the case may be. The reality is that people that we are living around, working with, sharing our lives with, if they're not in Christ, they are dead in their sins and trespasses. They can't make themselves alive. And we have the love and the truth of Christ Jesus living inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit to love them with truth right where they're at. We have to be committed though to loving one another in God's truth here within the body of Christ before we can ever expect to put truth and love on display for the glory of Christ. We have to be, we have to commit ourselves to this. This is God's standard for which the way we are to operate. I have a story, I'm gonna give you an example of my life, of how truth and love was spoken into me very recently, um, because I am far from perfect. I got a friend, his name is James, I I referenced him earlier, James Stoudemire, if you don't know him, um, he too. Uh, The only thing he's got going for him is his wife. So it's his, (laughs) I'm kidding, I love you. His salvation in Christ and his wife. Um, And James and I, James and I were having a conversation about what is and isn't appropriate to say or do or whatever the case may be. And I tried to excuse some things based on whether or not I found them to be offensive. And if you know me, not much offends me. But the reality is that God sets the standard, not chase. And in love and truth, James reminded me that our speech, our actions, whatever we do, if it doesn't align with God's word, it is worldly. And it's not glorifying to him. Why, why is this important? This is important for a lot of reasons. There's accountability there, there's a lot of things, but I believe the overarching reason that this is important is because we are called to holiness. We are called to pursue Christ, not perfectly, but to pursue him with everything that we have. Not to be saved, but because we are saved, because he saved us. We are called to pursue him. And I tell you that to tell you that our speech and our lives and the way that we live them and what we say and what we do, it all matters. And our willingness and discipline to operate within truth and love, it matters. Because believe it or not, as messy and broken and messed up and whatever we are, we are God's plan A to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. Why he chose us, I don't know, but I don't question that he did because his word tells us that he did. And our speech and the way we live our lives matters. So before we go any further, ask yourself, be thinking about this. Does your life point to him or does it point to the world? We just read why it matters and how it matters. In Ephesians four, we're gonna go back to verse one. Paul tells us, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." called. What is this calling? You're a child of God. If you are born again, you're in Christ Jesus. You're a child of God. You're a son or a daughter of the most high king. You have been transformed. You have been been moved from darkness into marvelous light. This, This world is not your home. He has made a place for you in heaven. That's who you are, that's your identity. It's Christ, it's his righteousness. This matters because when we do this, With all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, we will see unity. We will speak the truth in love. We will live out our lives and it will point to the truth and love that God has set in place. But when we choose to set our own standard, to shift, we will not be effective at telling people about our team, at evangelizing, and sharing the gospel. Why? Because when we're not unified and we're spending the majority of our time talking and acting like the world, the world thinks that Christ doesn't have the power to change. Or talking about the people that are on our team. We as the church, we must be different. We're called out to be different. Christ loves you enough to save you right where you're at in the middle of your sins and change you every day until he brings you home. But when we choose, as I said, to live within our own standards of truth and love, we are shifting and we're not called to shift. We're not called to compromise. We're called to align with his standard. God doesn't have that for us. That's not what he has for us. Confusion is not what God has for us. There is nothing confusing about this. It points directly to him from Genesis to Revelation. Every verse, every book, every chapter, every writer is pointing to the Messiah, is pointing to Christ, every bit of it. And when we choose to not put away all falsehood, when we choose to let our speech and our actions overtake us, we're choosing to set our own standard. Back in Ephesians 4, verse 25 says, "'Therefore, having put away all falsehood, "'let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, "'for we are members of one another.'" We are members of one another, we are joined together, we are called to speak the truth to one another. But be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. He will have opportunity when we choose to do our own thing. He will. When we choose not to operate in God's standard for truth and love. And then in verse 29, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear what we say matters. Our jokes, our language, are they glorifying to God? Or do we sound just like the world? Because we need to know and believe and trust in the fact that our tongues are an indicator of our, our hearts. Our tongues are, they are an indicator of our hearts and God has put the standard of truth and love in place and he's calling us to profess his glory and his gospel with our mouths. Right, The I think it was shared a couple weeks ago, I think Brandon Sloan shared it, uh, preach the gospel when necessary or or something along those words or or live your life where people know you're following Jesus. There is some truth to that, but the truth is is that our mouths should be proclaiming Christ. Listen, I'm not calling you to perfection. Listen, if your toes are being stepped on, I'm not here to step on your toes. My toes are numb. God's been stepping on my toes all week. I'm trusting that the word of God is correcting us, and Jesus even said it this way in Matthew 15, 11, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Paul goes on to say in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Notice that Paul does not say, forgive one another and forget about them. Forgive and forget. No, he says, forgive them as Christ has forgiven you. If you understand the way that you have been forgiven by Christ, you know that he brought you in just as you were and changed you. And he sat at the table with you in the midst of your sin and still chose to forgive you. God's standard is that he has merged truth and love together and we ought to walk, speak, live, and operate within it. Not just that we ought to, we get to, we get to. He saved us, he set us free We have been redeemed, set free by the blood of Jesus so that we get the opportunity to walk in this freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. If you know me, you know that I love truth, but I don't always deliver truth with love. Maybe you struggle with that too. Here's the reality. He did not save us to be hateful like the world is. He also did not save us to affirm, that ev- to affirm everything that the world is doing. That place in between those posts where love and truth collide gives us by the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to love people right where they're at while still standing rooted, grounded in the truth of who Christ Jesus is and who he calls us to be. Scott Sklenar, he came to our staff retreat. We just got back from staff retreat, I think this past week. Everything's running together. Um, And he, uh, if you don't know Scott, you need to know him, he's amazing. Gentle, loving, loves the Lord, loves people well. Um, He talked about how when we are in Christ, When we repent of our sins and we trust and believe in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we're like this. We're in union with him. We come into union with him, and nothing can pluck us from his hand. He will never leave nor forsake us. Nothing at all can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. But even while we're in Christ, even while we're in Christ, we can go from this... Look, I'm not saying you lose your unity with Christ. Don't hear that. To this, in him and out of focus. In Christ and out of focus. Focused maybe on our own agenda. Focused maybe on what we want. Focused on what maybe we think to be right or whatever the case may be. Right now, focused on um, all the social issues going on in the world or uh, politics or whatever the case may be. Out of focus. Our life circumstances things that are going on at school, students, focused on whatever the case may be. We're in him, but we're out of focus. And Jesus is so loving that he doesn't leave or forsake us. And all he requires of us Christians in the room is to simply turn back to him. Not to be saved again, but to get face to face with our Lord and Savior. And when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, all those things that I mentioned in the, in the long laundry list that you have going through your head right now, It's almost as if they cease to exist, because God fixes our eyes on his son. And you'll go through seasons like this in your life, and we need people in our lives. I need people in my life to check me and hold me accountable in truth and love, just like James did. We need people in our lives to do this, because we're not perfect, because we don't have it all figured out. But God does. he knows exactly what we need as I already mentioned if you know me well I love the truth love it like I'm black and white um I love it I love when it's just given to me direct and hard that's the way I'm wired everyone's not wired that way I'm learning (laughs) by the ministry of the Holy Spirit and great people on this staff that are in my life that are constantly pouring into me and, and, and showing me the way Jesus operated. Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you're a little bit wired like me or maybe you struggle with compromising for the sake of loving someone. No matter what our hangup is, no matter what it is, the reality is this, that we are, in all, we are all in some way, at times, missing it or getting it wrong. So I wanna define truth and love No matter what our hangup is, truth, real truth, is objective. It is found, seen, and experienced in Christ. It is who Christ is, was, and always will be. Truth is not subjective. It is not based off of our feelings. Your feelings lie to you. My feelings lie to me. Truth is not based off of that. It is not made up on the fly. Right, the truth can't change just because you got cut off in traffic preaching to myself. It does not change. It's not your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth, or their truth. That sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. That is extremely confusing. Extremely confusing. That's not what truth is. Jesus tells us in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, proclaims that he he is the truth. And then scripture goes on to tell us in Hebrews 13:8 that he does not change. Students at Rally weekend, we spent the whole weekend peering into this verse, Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So truth is who Christ is and he does not change. What is love? That's a really important question for 2023. God is love and God does not change. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, beloved, very important word there. I would encourage you to dig into that. Beloved, let us... Love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So Jesus, the Son of God, is the truth, and He is love. It's not that he has truth and love to give to us. He gives us himself. He gives us himself on the cross where he he was stretched out and hung and crucified. He gives us himself as the perfect, perfect spotless sacrifice. And we as, as his children, we are called to walk in this freedom of truth and love through our speech, through the way that we live our lives. Now what I want you to hear today is that your speech can be great. You can clean that up. And your life can look great. But the only way this matters is if you're in Christ. I tell my students this all the time and anyone that um, is gracious enough to listen to me, Um, we don't need, we don't just need our sins covered. We need them washed away. And only the blood of Jesus can do that. We can cover up our sin. We can do enough good deeds. We can go to enough church services. We can go on enough mission trips. We can go to enough small groups. We can come in here every time the doors are open and cover it up so the world thinks that we have it all together. But I love you enough to tell you that God's not calling you to have it all together before the world. He's calling you to die to yourself and turn to his son and lay down at his feet, trusting that Jesus, Jesus has it all together for you. That when he said on the cross that it is finished, he meant it is finished. And when you place your faith in what he has done in his works, he gives you his righteousness. And then when God looks down on you, there is no condemnation because you are sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, as we read earlier. Maybe you need to hear this today. Maybe you need to hear that because God is love and he is truth, there's an offer for you. It's not my offer to give. It's not any pastor's offer to give. No pastor's gonna gonna tell you the answer unless they just preach the gospel, and that's found here. It's found here in God's Word. God's given you His Son. His only Son. He's given Him to you. This is what's so cool about the gospel. Jesus got it all right. For 33 years, He lived in perfect righteousness. He never sinned. He never fell short. Never. And God sent Him to the cross. God's plan sent him to the cross, and on the cross he was crucified, and all his blood was poured out for all of us messy, broken people, so that we would have an opportunity to turn to him, trusting that his sacrifice was sufficient. And he didn't stay dead. He was raised back to life three days later, and because of that, he can impute to us his righteousness through repentance and faith. The only thing the gospel requires is repentance and faith. Change your mind. Turn from your ways or your idea of how you would save yourself or or get it all together and trust in Jesus. That's what repentance is. So I don't know where you're at today, but I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the love that he has for you is grounded in the truth of who he is. And in love, I want you to hear today that the truth of who he is does not change. So if you're compromising your life, confess your sins to the one who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. No matter how you're compromising, if you're like me and you love the truth and you're sometimes hateful, confess. If you're like other people and you love to love people and you don't struggle with that, look, one's not more right than the other. Confess your sins to the one who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. We have nothing to offer except the gospel. For the Christian in the room, we need to confess our sins. Every day, confession and repentance is a daily act of the Christian. We get to do that. God loves us enough to give us an opportunity to continue focusing and coming back to him. Thank you so much
0: for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think and also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see, and that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you and we'll see you next time.